Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services partner for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 230 multinationals by providing them with information assets, advisory support, and consulting services that help inform and empower their emerging markets growth strategy. The focus of today's discussion is FSG's recent research on subnational market prioritization in India, which is the latest in FSG's India research offering. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group. Joining me for today's discussion is Pratima Singh, FSG's practice leader for South Asia. And I'm happy to be recording this podcast from our APAC office uh, headquarters in Singapore. As a reminder, this research and all of our insights are available to FSG clients via our Frontier View platform. Pranama, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, Rich. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to be here in person with you. Yeah, welcome to Singapore. <laughs> Let's get started. Uh, this discussion regarding India and subnational prioritization is very timely and relevant as India has become one of the better performing and relatively resilient economies in an uncertain global growth economic environment. Uh, India, just to put some numbers around it, uh, will rebound from last year's 6.7% growth to your your forecasting 7.2%, despite some of the challenges that uh, we've seen with the demonetization. Absolutely. We're also seeing executives pay much closer attention to India over the past few months. And so based on your conversations, Pradima, what's driving this renewed interest in India? Absolutely, Rich. That's a very, very good question. Um, I would kind of categorize this interest into four components. One is obviously, you already touched on this, uh, but the demonetization measure kind of attracted a lot more attention to India because people wanted to check what's going on, what have I planned for the market, how is this going to change as a result. Uh, What we've seen with the demonetization, though, is that um, the short-term implications are a little bit more negative, maybe um, this quarter and, and next quarter, but we're expecting to see the economy recover um, over 2017, which is why we've actually forecasted 7.2% for for this particular year. Um, The second reason actually for this interest is um, something that you also discussed and briefly alluded to, which is global uncertainty. So India is one of the more isolated and insulated economies, if you will, and driven primarily by domestic demand. And so in an uncertain environment, we're still seeing India come through with strong numbers, and that's really renewing the interest in this particular market. Uh, The third aspect is obviously um, we've already discussed 7.2 to 7.56% growth from 2017 all the way through to 2020. This, These are very, very strong numbers for APAC. And it's not a small market we're talking about. It's not. It's a very large and fast-growing market. And so there's a lot of interest because of that. And then finally, fourth, um, it's just also because the government has been very um, or relatively business-friendly. So we're seeing a lot of reform. We're seeing gradual changes in the regulatory environment that are actually coming to fruition, because of which executives are asking questions and just getting a sense on where this market is headed. It's quite a complex market, and we often hear from our clients that it's a a challenging market to understand and to do business and be successful and profitable. Um, And so executives are using a more strategic approach for the market, Mm -hmm. and we at FSG have been highlighting that uh, a a very important strategic uh, process is taking a subnational approach, and it's critical for Uh, effectively doing your long-term strategic planning in India. So could you draw out some of the country-specific factors here 
and why a subnational approach is so critical, and then we'll dive into the methodology in a little more detail. Absolutely, Rich. Um, it's like you said; it's it's a critical component. It's a critical um, part of our Indian narrative, which is uh, to encourage multinationals to actually use a subnational prioritization report uh, approach for. Um, this market. And and while it can be argued that most large economies would need subnational prioritization, this particular approach is is more necessary or, or just yields higher returns for India. And this is one, obviously, because like I said, it's a large and complex economy. To give you some examples, um, one of the northern states, Uttar Pradesh, is the most populous state of India, and its population is actually comparable with that of Brazil. Um, another example is Maharashtra, which is the most prosperous state that actually has an economy that's the size of Iraq or New Zealand. And so having those states, they're actually comparable to in individual countries. And so it's very important to kind of dive in deeper there. The second is also uh, because there are different drivers of the economy in the states. Um, some of the northern states are more dependent on agriculture. If a company is looking to manufacture in India, they would rather uh, they'd be better suited to invest more in the, the industrial uh, states like the western states of Gujarat and Maharashtra. And then finally, we've also seen that um, most crucially, India is a federal country. It's a decentralized economy. And so states actually make a, a lot of um, are key in policy making. And so they make a lot of policies regarding healthcare, um, alcohol, um, transport, land and labor. And so states are now making reforms and making changes to, to attract investment, which is why it's so crucial. That's no, fascinating. And, and, you know, you're talking about a country with 29 states. So having a rigorous state prioritization strategy and being able to identify the right states for the right types of businesses are critical for success. So with that in mind, could you talk a little bit about, uh, dive into your analysis here. You, you've developed a, uh, a very uh, excellent methodology around subnational prioritization. Talk a little bit about the methodology that we've developed, how that fits into our global uh, best practice for, for market prioritization. Sure. Um, and, and, and I think um, the way that you framed it is, is very interesting because that's exactly where we started from. We used our proprietary uh, market um, prioritization framework, which is essentially a three-step framework where we look at risk-adjusted opportunity. Very important to look at opportunity, but also look at stability in a market. The second step is to look at business fit. So we look at operating environment. We look at industry and, and uh, company capabilities to be able to get a sense on what markets are better suited for investment. And the third step is obviously to evaluate these results and to be able to draw out the nuances and actions from that. And so we use that as a starting point, the global market prioritization framework, and modified it and tweaked it for India. And the way that we did that is for the first step, which is uh, being able to assess opportunity, uh, we looked at assessing opportunity for both B2B and B2C companies. So uh, we developed two risk-adjusted indices there. For the second step, we looked at operating environment as, as the crux of business fit. Um, and that's because in general, like you said, the cost of doing business is so high in India, being able to target those states which have a strong operating environment is very, very crucial. And um, the third step was where we kind of visualized and mapped out these two ind indicators and, and developed a two-by-two two matrix uh, through which we can be uh, certain to highlight those states that um, come up on top, not just for um, opportunity, but also uh, through a strong environment. And I should point out that um, all of the data that you've used in your report is available for clients, and that often when we do this work for clients, we also, when we're talking about business fit, 
we're very, very specific to our clients' business and, and their ability to execute and their uh, internal uh, strengths and capabilities. Yeah. Um, also, just take a moment uh, here to highlight that all of the data in not only this India report, but actually for all of the uh, BRIC countries uh, at the subnational level is now fully available, up and running, and updated on a regular basis in our Frontier View platform as part of Frontier Data. So, shameless plug over. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so thanks for outlining the methodology. It's a simple uh, yet a very powerful three-step process, and it gives executives a very structured framework that they can use to uh, to start to inform their resource allocation decisions and their uh, and their sequencing of, of markets and segments and products. So now that we have the framework, I, I want to talk a bit about some of the, the key findings and the results. So why don't we start with B two B because I think it'll be interesting to com- compare and contrast the the the, the findings between B two B and B two C. Absolutely. Um, and uh, you, you touched on a very interesting point then. We talk about that when we contrast the two. But for B2B com- uh, companies, what we found is that this Western and Southern states of Tamil Nadu, Maharashtra, Gujarat, and Karnataka, they emerged as clear winners in the ranking. And these are large economies um, with relatively and actually very strong operating environment compared to the rest of the country. So these were the four that topped the B2B um, ranking. Um, on a second or the, the second tier, of states that we looked at uh, included states like Goa and Andhra Pradesh actually uh, uh, did really well for B2B companies as well. And these are states that are actively liberalizing their economies and competing in order specifically to attract foreign investment. And since B2B is such a broad category, are there certain uh, industries that you would kind of uh, suggest are better fits for certain states than others? Absolutely. So, um, uh, Western states of Maharashtra and Gujarat are industrial uh, states. And so manufacturing is very, very developed in these states. Um, Karnataka, uh, with its capital in Bangalore, is actually the service center hub. Of, of India. And so any companies that are looking at services or that relate to, say, um, um, software and, and tech um, are actually more suited for, for Karnataka. Uh, Andhra Pradesh is actively trying to improve its uh, manufacturing, but also its healthcare um, environment. And so we're seeing we're seeing improvements um, through uh, easing uh, and, and uh, simplifying procedures there. Okay, um, let's compare and contrast now. Let's, let's talk about the key findings on the B2C side. For B2C, actually, these four states came up on top again. So we did see Maharashtra, Gujarat, Karnataka and Tamil Nadu emerge as winners there. The only addition for B2C companies was Delhi. The, the northern hub of Delhi is actually very, very important and a big consumption center for, for um, India. Uh, in terms of the tier two states, what we did see were uh, states like West Bengal and Uttar Pradesh actually come up as important states to monitor uh, because they're still complex and um, and difficult to do business in. But so that's why they'd be categorized as high opportunity but low in the operating environment. Okay. And keeping this analysis and these rankings in mind, can you elaborate a bit more on how clients and executives can best use this uh, this research and the framework and the data? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Rich, I think this is very, very critical. And I think this is something that distinguishes this re- research uh, from, from many other prioritization um, exercises outside of, of FSG. We tried very hard and we were very conscious of actually developing actionable results um, post this analysis. So we wanted to be able to tell clients that this is how you should think about the different states, but also this is how you should use this analysis as you're planning your, your India 2020, 2025 strategies. Um, so the way that 
we did this was we categorized states into three different um, groups based on the actions that executives should take as a result. So like we mentioned, the top five states of Andhra, of uh, Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, Maharashtra, Gujarat, and Delhi, these were states that we categorized as states in which MNCs should enhance their performance. These are already states where most of our clients are present. And so being able to optimize their operations and actually improve performance capture all of the existing opportunity in these states is very important because they actually present um, the strongest operating environment and also the highest opportunity. The second tier of, of states or the second category were states in which companies should consider expanding their presence. So these are states where opportunity is relatively high to moderate, uh, but the operating environment is, is still lower than the first tier. And this is also the, the way to think about these states is actually to hub them and cluster them around the high performing states. And that way companies can actually uh, capitalize on the cultural similarities and also economies of scale. Um, these are states like Andhra Pradesh, given that they're present uh, already in Tamil Nadu and Karnataka in the southern uh, part of the country, and also states like Goa and, and around Delhi, states like uh, Haryana. And the third category of states is um, states where companies should explore potential. These are the classic states that I already mentioned, Uttar Pradesh, West Bengal, that actually have moderate opportunity, but have very weak operating environments. And as um, this competitive federalism uh, aspect kind of uh, trickles down and states begin to improve their regulatory environment, these states are likely to emerge as, as um, um, high growth states. And so it's important for, for clients and, and for us to actually monitor to the reforms that are taking place in this third category. And in terms of like the long-term outlook for India, obviously the numbers are optimistic and positive. Is there any risk that uh, Prime Minister Modi cannot keep the political momentum going in order to make all of these reforms happen to, to make this opportunity as attractive as it, as it, as it can be? Absolutely. And I think, Rich, this is this is this is one of the reasons why we're actually uh, recommending a subnational approach. Uh, Prime Minister Modi can only do so much. Um, he is it's it's half term for him already. He's been in office for two and a half years. And the next two and a half years uh, leading up to the next general election are likely to be um, a little bit more uh, subdued in the sense that he's going to try and implement certain reforms. We've already uh, we already know that the GST or the goods and services tax will be implemented this year. But we're not likely to see as much political momentum on national level reform because we're close to the election. So what's going to happen is that he's going to encourage states, specifically BJP or the ruling party led states, to implement reform. And so um, in the medium to long term, we're expecting those states to to kind of uh, become progressively more liberal and encourage investment, which is why being able to tap into those states and understand and identify opportunity is very important. And you mentioned... uh GST, and I know in, a, in an earlier analysis that you've done, you've done a very uh, in-depth uh, review of GST and, and, uh, and its implications. And so I'd encourage our listeners to, uh, to, to look, look for that. And uh, maybe we have a subsequent conversation uh, on that topic. Uh, last question, and then, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But in regards to India vis-a-vis, let's call it the global portfolio, um, is this the time now to make incremental investments in India? You see the uncertainty kind of coming out of some of the developed market domestic agendas, uh, populism and, and the like in the U.S. and uh, obviously in, in the U.K. and potentially uh, in France and, and, and we'll watch what happens across the European markets. 
you have uh, China uh, having its uh, its usual set of co controversial cross-current forces, um, but India is pretty insulated from uh, all of those things in, in a way, right? There's not a, not a lot of dependency on China yep. and uh, not so much dependency on uh, some of these developed markets. So mm -hmm. is this, if you're a, a global executive now with a global portfolio, is this the time to uh, up your ante in India? Absolutely. And um, it's exactly the right time to do that. It's important to have conversations with the local team to be able to get a sense on how to do that in India because uh, it is a challenging market. But you mentioned that it's... Um, it, it's uh, a good time because also relative to what's going on in the rest of the world, India looks great. Um, it's insulated, which is important. Uh, but you also touched upon the fact that uh, China dealing with its its challenges um, uh, is not as or it looks different to executives today than it did, say, five years ago. And that's exactly uh, something that the Indian government is trying to capitalize on. Um, India has always been compared to China, although the markets uh, differ substantially and China is way ahead in terms of uh, economic size. Uh, but what's happening as China is kind of shifting to more high-end manufacturing. They're shifting the way that they're actually growing. India is trying to come in and capitalize on some of that lost opportunity. And so to be able to get a sense on what's uh, happening in the market, how these reforms are actually going to um, improve the local environment is very key so that multinationals can come in and invest at this point. Excellent. Pranama, thank you so much for the time. It's a fascinating discussion. I think we could talk for much longer, mm -hmm. but want to be sensitive to time. And uh, I definitely look forward uh, to more conversation uh, across all of the canon of India research and how clients can use uh, our analysis and advisory support to, uh, to, to inform and empower their India strategy. Absolutely, Rich. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a wonderful conversation. On that note, uh, I just want to also remind FSG clients that you can speak with Pratima or any of the FSG research team by scheduling time through your client services director. And you can also access Pratima's, uh, this report about subnational prioritization, all of our India research and all of our subnational data on the Frontier View platform. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your emerging markets portfolio. And thanks for listening.